Everything about the Major League Baseball playoffs is amplified. Players, managers, fans, media scrutiny, and a lot of eyes all over the world watching the game. During the regular season, you don't have this pressure. You don't have millions of people watching the game. You can take chances you would normally never take. You can make a mistake knowing that you'll live to fight another day. But what doesn't change from the regular season to the playoffs is a player's pride. No player wants to be embarrassed on TV and social media. No player wants to go down as a GOAT. Not the good GOAT, the bad GOAT. The GOAT people will continually revisit and criticize for not making a play. The Padres were called out by the national media and there was only one way to stop everyone from making their jokes. Take Game 2 at Dodger Stadium and swing the momentum home to San Diego and all of the fans at Petco Park. I'm Matt Scraby, and this is 12 Games in October. Einstein once said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That is essentially what Big Poppy was saying at the end of episode four, although Albert Einstein said it in a much nicer way than Big Poppy. The Padres just lost their 15th game of the season to the Dodgers, and if they were to lose game two, the 2022 edition of this team would be one loss away from going down as just another team that lost to the mighty Dodgers. People may talk about it for a short time, but the media and the fans will move on. But if you win game two, you come back home to Petco Park for two home playoff games and stave off the media contingent from burying you before you're dead. Game two's pitching matchup was everything baseball fans could ask for. The Padres had Hugh Darvish fresh off of a game one wildcard series win over the Mets. And he was quite possibly throwing it the best he had all year. Dave Roberts would use future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw had so much success over the Padres in his 15 seasons as a Dodger. In 46 regular season games against the Padres, Kershaw won 23 of them with a 2.12 ERA. And it's not just the Padres. Clayton Kershaw has been in almost every Cy Young conversation. It just so happens he is a Dodger, and that is what makes him the enemy. That Clayton Kershaw is regular season Clayton Kershaw. Playoff Clayton Kershaw has not had as much success in the postseason. It's one of those unexplainable occurrences I talked about in episode one. No one can explain why, at times, Kershaw is the best in baseball. But in the playoffs, he can struggle. These playoff shortcomings gave the Padres fans life, providing just a bit of hope with the acknowledgement of the uphill battle ahead. I caught up with the Padres radio broadcasters featured so prominently throughout the series, Jesse Aguilar and Tony Gwynn Jr., and I asked them to give their thoughts heading into Game 2. I really feel like they felt after the way they finished Game 1, carrying that over into Game 2, um, I think they felt confident going into Game 2, and that, and that really showed, I thought. I, I felt confident going into Game 2 also because, as you said, the way the end of Game 1 went, 
also, you know, Darvish was just so good at that yeah. point. And to be able to have him going out there was really exciting. Now, Kershaw obviously has had tremendous success against the Padres in his career. But we all know postseason Kershaw, over the, the, the life of his, his time as a Dodger, has not always been the same as regular season Kershaw. So that was kind of something to hold on to a little bit going into the game. He pitched well, by the way. He didn't, you know, it's not like he gave it up or anything like that. But he didn't have... I don't think that air of invincibility around him, uh, the Padres had finally kind of chipped away at that. And I think they recognized that. They were right. After game one, manager Bob Melvin said he liked how his team played in the second half of the game, and it seemed to have given them a boost heading into game two. For the first time in the postseason, Bob Melvin had Hassan Kim lead off against lefty Clayton Kershaw, and Kim would ground out on three pitches to start the game. Juan Soto flew out in only three pitches as well. And going down quick is the fastest way to suck the air out of the room for Padres fans. Six pitches for Kershaw and two outs. Here's where Big Poppy's comments come in here. Here's a little bit to remind you of what he said. The reality is that when you're playing against your daddy, you need to try to do something <laughs> You have you to try to do Poppy. something different, Kevin. You can just keep continue having the same approach. Manny Machado heard those comments and needed to answer with the best way he could. Two balls and a strike to Machado. Here's the pitch from Kershaw. Manny hammers it in the air down the left field line. If it's fair, it's gone, and it is a home run for Manny Machado. Homered against him in the 2020 National League Division Series and now again in 2022. Padres strike first, it's 1-0. There are certain players in this league that seem to respond well when the crowd is at its most hostile. That was Manny Machado's answer to the booze when he walked up to the plate, a hanging slider that didn't get higher than about 25 feet high, but it was a rocket out to left field to give the Padres an early 1-0 lead. Getting on the board first would definitely be a departure on how things went between the two teams throughout the year, and the Padres' quote-unquote daddy would see the first hints that the Padres could do something different. Now it was time for you, Darvish, to pitch another gem. In Game 1, the Dodgers were able to get a run on the board after only six pitches when Trey Turner sent a rocket into left field. But in this game, Darvish struck out Mookie Betts, and Trey Turner sent a hot shot to the wrong person. Here's the 2-2, and Turner hits it hard, but to third base, and Manny makes the catch. A line drive, and Machado a big stride and a half to his left is able to make the catch about waist high. Manny Machado had now changed the game with his bat and his glove, showcasing everything that makes him a superstar. Yu Darvish was looking to retire the side 1-2-3, but needed to get past the feared lefty, Freddie Freeman. Two outs, bases empty, 3-1 and one to Freeman. Pitch on the way, and it's a towering drive, straightaway center field and deep. Grisham is back. He is at the wall. He will leap, and it's going to go. A home run for Freddie Freeman. Trent Grisham got up and over the fence, just to the left of that 395 marker in center. Looked like he maybe had a shot at it, but just out of his reach. And Freddie Freeman's first hit of the 2022 postseason is a game-tying home run. Trent did everything you possibly could. He got to the wall. He was able to time his jump. Freddie Freeman just hit it a little bit too far. Getting the lead to start the game felt incredible for Padres fans, but as we had seen throughout the regular season, Yu Darvish had a tendency at times to give up early runs. He didn't in game one of the wildcard series, but it's hard to be perfect each and every outing. He held the Dodgers at one and kept his team from having to face an uphill climb to get back into it. 
Top of the second started with one pitch and one out after Kershaw forced Jake Cronenworth to fly out to left. One thing was clear. The Padres were not going to make Kershaw work deep into counts. They were trying to hit anything that looked good, and Will Myers would then single. With Will on first, Jerks and Profar would try and move the runners. 0-2, here's the pitch to Profar. Jerks and lines one into center field and a base hit. Back-to-back singles, both really solidly struck. And two on, one out here in the top of the second inning. Again, this is one of those opportunities where you say, all right, you got to cash in. Number two, Trent Grisham. Clayton Kershaw was facing his first pressure of the game with runners on first and second. As you heard Mr. PA guy say, the hero of the wildcard series, Trent Grisham, would try and bolster his legend. Here's more on that with Jesse Agler. And now, wouldn't you know it, perhaps the guy the Padres are most excited to get to the plate in a situation like this, Trent Grisham. Off to a 5 for 11 start in the postseason. One out of three yesterday with a single and an RBI ground out. He has now driven in a run in all four games of this postseason and in six consecutive postseason games if you go back to 2020. Only six guys in Major League history have an RBI in seven straight postseason games. And Trent Grisham with an opportunity to add his name to that list here tonight. Kershaw made things a lot more difficult with this. Kershaw stretches up the arms. Now he comes set, slides, step, delivery, curveball, bounces away. Smith doesn't know where it is. It's up the first baseline, and both runners will advance without a play. So a wild pitch by Kershaw, who has still not been able to harness that curveball. And now runners on second and third, and a golden opportunity here in the second inning. This one just looks like... And with a full count. Runners lead at second and third. Here's the payoff pitch. Christian swings and misses strike three. Another slider. And his second strike out of the night. Two down. Needed a big time pitch right there and got that slider just below the zone. Gives Grisham the swing over the top. Austin Nola had some big hits in the wild card series, but Kershaw had other plans. Profire at second. Myers at third. Two down. One and two to Austin Nola. Kershaw comes set. He will deal. And a swing and a miss. Slider again. Back-to-back strikeouts after the Padres got guys on second and third. It was still early in the game, but not converting whenever you can against the Dodgers usually ends up in a loss. There's just no room to leave any runners on base, mainly because the Dodgers have dangerous hitter after dangerous hitter. I wanted to try not to talk about the umpires at all in this podcast, but we had to because of Buck Showalter. In this case, I have to stop and talk about the home plate umpire, Chris Siegel, and what happened in this particular at-bat to lead off the second. Darvish would get out to a quick 0-2 count with the enemy of many Padres fans, Max Muncy, at the plate. Big shift on the right side. The 0-2 to Muncy after a hesitation is the slow curve, and it's right at the top of the zone, but he doesn't get the call. Absolutely missed by Chris Siegel. Brutal. It's just a perfect pitch. 69. It literally locked up Muncy and Chris Siegel behind the plate. It's not a surprise you Darvish fooled everyone in the stadium, but this game would be drastically altered by this missed call by Chris Siegel. The count went from 0-2 and a strikeout to 1-2 and a new life to a dangerous hitter. Darvish would battle with Muncy, and Muncy would take advantage of the umpire's mistake. Two and two now to Muncy. Darvish deals, and this one's hit in the air. Right field, playable, deep, maybe not. Soto's back. He looks. It's going to go. Oh, home run. Soto came charging in and then kind of made a right turn back to the wall. And a few pitches after Muncy should have struck out. 
on the missed ball by the plate umpire. He hits a home run out to right field. It's a 2-1 game for the Dodgers. I think that was the curveball again. He left it up. This one was not intentional. And as Jesse said, after Muncie should have been rung up. You can't really help but feel cheated if you're you, Darvish, but he'll probably tell you he should have thrown a better pitch. But one thing was clear, this one big mistake could be a serious swinging bad break for the Padres. You Darvish went on to throw 21 pitches in the inning and five extra pitches from a missed call which turned into a Max Muncie home run. Yu's pitch count was at 41, and it was only the second inning. Sometimes, that's just how baseball goes. To Yu's credit, even after allowing a Justin Turner single immediately after the home run, Yu Darvish showed why he was considered an ace and reached that next level not many others can. He struck out Gavin Lux. The one-two, swing and a miss. Lux could not connect with that fastball. Trace Thompson. And a swing and a miss. Darvish threw an angry fastball past him at 95 miles an hour. And Cody Bellinger. One and two to Bellinger. Here's the pitch. And a swing and a miss. Got him to chase a fastball up and away. All swinging. The Padres saw themselves leading and then trailing all in just two innings. These are the kind of moments the Padres had not regularly been able to overcome in the regular season against the Dodgers. But again, if the Padres were to do something different against their daddy, they would need to strike right back. In the top of the third, Kim reached on an infield single to third against Kershaw after a nine-pitch battle to start the inning. Then Juan Soto swung at the first pitch and singled to right, moving Kim to second. The Padres were threatening with no outs, and let's just say Daddy was a little confused at this point because this is not what he is used to. Manny Machado started the game with a home run, and now he had two runners on. Now on two and one, a curveball hit hard, and down the left field line, that's a fair ball and a base hit. Kim is rounding third, he's on his way. Soto into third, and standing at second with an RBI double, Manny Machado. This is a 2-2 game. Ask and you shall receive. Three guys at the top of the lineup last night only had one hit. In this inning alone, they've got three. And Manny Machado with his second RBI of the game, this time a double down the left field line. The Padres have gotten this game even again. This on a curveball stayed back on it beautifully. Still no outs in the inning. That was until Brandon Drury struck out swinging for the first out of the inning. With the score tied 2-2, the Padres would show their daddy they could do something different. 3-2 pitch, grounded to first base. Freeman will backhand it, only has one play. Hence to bring it himself to the bag. Soto comes in to score, and an RBI ground down for Cronenworth puts the Padres back in front. It's 3-2. Heck of an at-bat by Jake Cronenworth. Cut out of the same mold as Trent Grisham's last night. Heading into the bottom of the third, we had seen enough happen to fill an entire game. This was just the beginning. Yu Darvish's pitch count was somewhat of a worry at this point, but would get the first out easy, forcing Mookie Betts to pop out after just two pitches. Trey Turner was up next, and he would waste no time swinging at the first pitch he saw. One out, nobody on for Trey Turner. And the first pitch is hit in the air deep down the left field line. It is way back, and it is gone. Second consecutive night, Trey Turner hits a no-doubter to left. This one ties us right back up, 3-3 in the third. There are no breaks in this lineup. If you're a Padres fan and going to concede anything, you have to be happy it was only a solo shot and the game was still tied. And if you really want to be positive, Darvish's pitch count didn't take a hit. But the heavy hitters keep on coming with the Dodgers lineup, and Freddie Freeman is just another difficult out, and Darvish would have to battle. After 10 pitches and 5 foul balls, Hugh Darvish would throw one of the most important pitches of his night. 
3-2, right down the middle, strike three call. Got him with a fastball. Freeman obviously looking for one of the many other options, and we see that all the time with Darvish. 93 right down the middle, and he just locked him up, two away. I'll just go through that 11 pitch at bat there. Splitter, sinker, cutter, four seam, slider, slider, cutter, slider, sinker, cutter, sinker to end it. I can see why he was looking for something else. <laughs> Kitchen sink, if you will. And in a small way, I think fans could feel the Padres finally had that little bit of luck on their side that's needed to win in the playoffs. Something went their way when things just don't seem to go their way. To end the inning, Darvish would force Will Smith to foul out to Austin Nola. Normally, the first three innings of a game aren't going to feature so much action, but you started to get the feeling this game was long from over. Here's Tony and Jesse talking about the first three innings. Playoff baseball at its best. Yeah. Kind of pandemonium. The crowd was going nuts. Both teams sort of answering one another. That's what you want in the postseason. Um, and again, very easy to talk about it months later because we know how it ended. Um, I'm sure we were very stressed out in the moment, oh. um, but it was wildly entertaining wildly entertaining you know i mean that's that's baseball at its best those kinds of stakes that kind of seesaw thing back and forth a crowd you know of over fifty thousand, just going nuts with every pitch um you, you couldn't help but be locked in and, and just thrilled by it what i re- you know what i remember thinking to myself after those first three was man this is what i think we imagined the regular season looking like mm-hmm. because you know it was really two really good teams going blow for blow. And we didn't get that in the regular season, right? I mean, obviously, we've talked about it. The Dodgers dominated the regular season. But I remember thinking to myself, ah, this is what I, I had expected during the regular season. And and also at that point, it's like, oh, you know what? This Padre team is extremely confident right now. Like, because of the way they were going about it, you know, typically the way that series had run, when Turner hits the home run to give them the lead, it would snowball from that point. But as you said, Manny doubles. They end up getting that, that game even again. And you just started to feel at that point, okay, this is this team not only has gained confidence from that Mets series, but they they are playing different right now than they had been at any point during the regular season. I just looked at my notes from the next game. And referencing back to that game, game two, I wrote a true postseason classic. Clayton Kershaw sat down Profar, Grisham, and Nola in the top of the fourth for his first normal inning of the game. Then he and Yu Darvish would settle in and keep the score 3-3. With Yu Darvish getting a game-changing assist from Austin Nola after walking Mookie Betts to start the bottom of the fifth. Betts runs, Turner squares the butt, takes a strike, throw down his second, and they got him! What a throw by Nola! Great tag by Cronenworth, but a huge jump and a great throw one away. Not many people were able to catch Mookie Betts stealing, and Austin Nola rose to the occasion and made it happen. Dave Roberts made the unusual decision to remove Clayton Kershaw from the game, even though he was just settling in and had thrown only 80 pitches. He struck out six and gave up three earned runs, but Roberts would go with reliever Bruce Dar Gratterall, who did not endear himself to any Padres fans in the 2020 playoffs after throwing his hat in the air after an out. There was an extra level of disdain for Gratterall, and fans would love to see the Padres make him pay. 
Brandon Drury would single to start the inning, but Jake Cronenworth would ground into a fielder's choice, resulting in Drury out at second. In the playoffs, you hope for your opponent to make a mistake. The Padres would see one more thing go their way. 2-0 to Myers and a ground ball to shortstop. Trey Turner scooting to his right and he boots it. Everybody's going to be safe. I don't think there was ever a chance to turn two. He was not hit at it, but he certainly had a chance to get it out. Instead, he gets none. And now runners on first and second, one away. And with that huge break and the game still tied, the Padres would need to take advantage of every little gift handed to them. Threatening, and now a ground ball into right field and a base hit. That's going to get Cronenworth home, and the Padres going to go back in front. A bounding ball through the right side, an RBI single for Profar, and a 4-3 San Diego lead in the sixth. The Padres retook the lead against Bruzdar Gratterall and now had the task of being the hunted instead of the hunters. And the best bunter on the team, Trent Grisham, stepped in. First pitch bunt towards third base. It's a beauty. Barehanded by Gratterall, and the throw home is in time. What a play by the Dodger pitcher. There aren't very many pitchers that could execute that play. A perfect bunt down the third base line. Gratterall barehands this ball and throws all in one motion. What makes it tough is he's close to home plate. So many pitchers would have thrown this ball in the dirt would have thrown it over the head, but he puts a perfect throw on the bag and really steals an out from the Padres here. Safety squeeze on, and you just got to tip your hat to Gratterall for the play he made. That bunt and Nola lining out to center ended the inning for the Padres just as quick as it started. A prime opportunity for the Padres to add on was lost, and now it would be on pitching and defense from here on out. Darvish would start the bottom of the sixth, but would quickly find himself in big trouble, and Padres fans would quickly find their hearts in their throats. Catcher Will Smith reached on an infield single to second. Max Muncy singled a deep right to put runners on first and third with no outs. With the Padres up a run and the Dodgers threatening, Bob Melvin would go with Robert Suarez to try and get out of the jam without giving up a run. This was one of those situations where the difficulty for playing video games was turned up all the way to legend mode. Hugh Darvish would go five innings, gave up three earned runs, and struck out seven on 99 pitches, and on top of that, was in line to get the win. Not a fantastic start, but a start that allowed the Padres to have the lead late in the game, and that's all that really matters. Suarez would strike out Turner on a 101-mile-an-hour sinker. Then on the next pitch, he went from throwing heats to a changeup with Gavin Lux at the plate. First pitch swinging, grab ball to second base. Cronenworth charges to second for one. Kim to first. Oh, yeah, it's in time in a double play. Robert Suarez comes into a first and third nobody out situation. He strikes out Justin Turner, and he gets an inning-ending double play off the bat of Gavin Lux. A double play that will go down as one of the biggest of the entire postseason. You can call those three outs without allowing a run like walking a tightrope over an alligator-infested pond while wearing a meat suit. Not easy, but so satisfying if you can pull it off. Robert Suarez had made himself known to the baseball world in this moment. I asked Jesse and Tony to give their thoughts on his outing. It was just a continuation for both Suarez and the Padre bullpen of what had been going on. They had been so nails. I think at one point there, you know, they were up over 12, you know, innings consecutive without allowing a run. And, yeah, by the time we got to that game at Dodger Stadium, um, Robert Suarez felt completely like a guy you could trust 
in a key spot. Yeah. And you're going to need a few of those, right? It's one thing to, to have Hayter. It's one thing to have Nick Martinez and Luis Garcia. But when you're having to piece it together against a lineup like that and kind of grind it out over the course of four or five games in a series, you know you're going to need as many guys as possible. And by that time, and this was huge for Bob Melvin and the Padres, I think Robert Suarez was somebody you could fully trust in a huge spot. I, I, I just remember at that point of the year, uh, as Jesse said, it was like just a continuation from what we had started to see from him. But I just remember thinking to myself, oh, th- the same thing applies. This is a six-inning ball game because – you just felt like if you got the ball in those four guys' hands, whatever order you wanted to put them in, you you were going to win that game. And I think at that point, they, that bullpen, as Jesse said, had, had, had been rolling for such a long period of time that when they got the lead that late, it was like, okay, yeah, they're, they're going to they're gonna win this ball game. The Dodgers would sit Kim, Soto, and Machado down, all striking out swinging in the top of the seventh. After the circus act in the last inning by Robert Suarez, there still was a lot of game to go and he needed to put up a zero again. He would get the first out easily with Trace Thompson flying out to right. Cody Bellinger singled to left center, then Mookie Betts doubled to center field moving Bellinger to third and with first base open, Bob Melvin chose to load the bases and intentionally walked Freddie Freeman. Will Smith had the bases loaded and the game in his hands. Here's the 2-2. Smith swings, loops one into center field. Grisham had him played perfectly, and he's there to make the catch and end the inning. No runs, two hits, and the Dodgers leave him loaded. There was not going to be a better chance for the Dodgers to take the lead in this game with the bases loaded. The Dodgers would now use reliever Blake Trinan. Trinan was one of the toughest pitchers in baseball, but the Padres did see him a lot, so this matchup had some familiarity. I'll leave it to Jesse and Tony to tell you how this went. One and one to Jake. Here's the pitch, and that's a towering drive deep down the right field line. This one's way back. It's going to go. A long home run to right field for Jake Cronenworth. And the Padres add on. It is 5-3, San Diego in the eighth. That ball almost got into the second deck. A big boy shot for Jake Cronenworth. He gives the Padres some cushion here in the eighth on a mammoth shot to right field. A mammoth shot in so many ways. The Padres had a two-run lead with two innings to go. Jake Cronenworth struggled in the wildcard series but was starting to heat up in the NLDS, and this was just one of the huge hits he had in the series. Padres hitters would not make life easy for Trinan, forcing him to throw 21 pitches, but he would not give up another run, even with the bases loaded to end the inning. We met the high-leverage Swiss Army Knife Nick Martinez in the wildcard series. He was called upon in this game in the bottom of the eighth to get some of the most critical outs in Padres history. He forced Max Muncy to fly out to center field, got the second out by getting Justin Turner to pop out to Manny Machado. Then, with a 1-1 count, the world was introduced to something they call the Rally Goose. 1-0 pitch on the way. Check swing, they appeal, and he went. 1-1, and and I believe that is a duck that has just landed on the outfield grass. Like a big gray duck. Might be a goose. I'm not an ornithological expert. He doesn't look in any hurry to get off the field either. He's just camped. He might also be injured. Yeah. 
he kind of awkwardly came down from the sky. It didn't look like a bird making a graceful landing. And you wonder if he's okay. But they are going to continue play here. Everybody had stopped to look. One and one. And a ball in the dirt. Two balls and a strike. The duck is kind of camped out in very shallow right center field. It looks like it could be injured. Yeah. I don't know what the umpire's manual says about this situation. <laughs> Two and one to Lux. And he reaches for it, lines it into right field. That's a base hit. At the time, Tony and Jesse did not have the information and were extremely far away, so I'll not blame them for calling the bird a duck. However, I will blame the umpire crew for allowing play to go on with a goose sitting in shallow right field. No one can escape my questions about the rally goose. Here's Tony and Jesse thinking back to that moment. I was I was concerned. I'm not gonna lie. I was concerned about the, I was concerned about the goose. <laughs> a because it was laying in the field. And at first, they didn't stop play. No, they they had. I think there was a couple. There was like a, a play or two before they finally decided to, um, you know, stop playing. You know, usher the the goose off. Um, and then you know, my mind went, uh, where is social media gonna go with this? <laughs> and it wasn't that long before I found out. I remember also being very concerned <laughs> because the Padres had the lead and it was interrupting the flow of the <laughs> right. game. And, you know, I think it was the hater was getting ready to come in for the four out save just as the whole goose thing was going on. And I think they didn't actually go out to get the goose until the pitching change. That's right. And I just remember thinking. If this goes badly here, you know, everybody in San Diego is going to hate geese. And, and maybe that's just like the negative, you know, sort of your condition to expect the worst in baseball kind of mentality. But in that moment, I was very, very upset about the goose. I was very concerned about the goose because it kind of felt like something that would go the other way. And I'm not going to lie to you. This is true. After it went good for the Padres, post-goose in that game, I knew... This, this series is good. Like, we're good. Like, that's the stupidity of baseball is, like, for all the, the, the beatings that the Dodgers had administered in the last few years, when the Padres won that game and the goose thing happened, I was like, they got this. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just like you sometimes know. And, and I don't know, like, after that moment, I was like, all right, I am Team Goose. I love the goose. I'm happy that the goose showed up, even if in the moment that it arrived, I was very, very concerned. But once they pulled that out and once Hader went out there and just shut them down, you know, got all four outs, um, I, I thought to myself, this is, this is a very, very good thing. When the Padres returned home to Petco Park for Game 3 and 4, the goose had become a cult phenomenon. But we'll get into that in a couple episodes. I personally don't understand why the goose was deemed good luck with Gavin Lux singling while the goose was on the field. But I guess you could say the Dodgers goose was cooked and that goose represented a Padres win. The rally goose would be forever a meme with the Padres leading 5-3 in the bottom of the eighth prominently displayed. While the goose was being handled by Dodgers staff, Bob Melvin did something he does not do very often, and that is to call upon Josh Hader for more than three outs. Hader would walk the first batter he saw in Trace Thompson to put runners on first and second. Then, he would get out of the inning by getting the pinch hitter for Cody Bellinger, Austin Barnes, to fly out to center. Crisis averted once again for the Padres. The Padres tried for some insurance runs in the top of the ninth, but Soto, Machado, and Drury would all strike out swinging, which brought the game into the final chance for the Dodgers to make a comeback. Josh Hader was back out there and got a quick Mookie Betts fly out on two pitches. He then would strike out Trey Turner with a 99-mile-per-hour sinker, 
And all that was left was getting through the ever-dangerous lefty Freddie Freeman. Hader sets himself up on the mound, kind of nestles that back foot against the pitcher's plate. Now he comes set. 0-2 to Freddie Freeman. Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball to deep right field. Soto's going back. He is at the wall. Looks up. It hits off the wall. Rolls back towards the infield. Backed up by Grisham. And Freeman standing at second base with a two-out double. The tying run was coming to the plate, and Will Smith was not a hitter Padres fans wanted to see. Josh Hader needed one more out, and again, Padres fans had their hearts in their throats. Hader would get Smith to foul off the first pitch to make it 0-1. Then Hader threw three straight balls to Smith for a 3-1 count. With the pressure of allowing a walk, Hader got the count full by getting Smith to foul off another pitch. Then, on the sixth pitch of the at-bat, Hader let it fly. I got to get through this at-bat first before they can even think of that. Hader trying to end the game on this pitch. Three and two to Will Smith. Here it is, and a swing and a fly ball to right field straight away. Soto had him played perfectly. Backs up a couple of steps, and he makes the catch. This ball game is over. An absolute classic between the Padres and the Dodgers in game two of the division series. It is won by San Diego 5-3, and this thing is tied 1-1, heading home to Petco Park. What a tremendous effort by this Padre ball club. Down 1-0, coming into game two, and they put together, they basically flipped it on the Dodgers. Last night, 5-3 Dodgers. Tonight, 5-3 Pods, and they head home, and they guarantee themselves now two home games. An absolute thriller of a postseason game between these two National League West rivals. The Padres had successfully taken Game 2 in Los Angeles, and with the series shifting to San Diego, it gave the Padres a chance to clinch the series against the Dodgers at Petco Park in front of all the playoff rabid fans. Final totals in the game, five runs for the Padres on nine hits and no errors. And the Dodgers, three runs on 11 hits and one error. Yu Darvish takes the win. Bruzdar Gratterall takes the loss. And Josh Hader gets a four-out save to win game two and the first of the series for the Padres. As for Big Poppy, Manny Machado made sure Big Poppy knew how he felt, and it was revealed on the FS1 postgame show. Who are you show. texting in the middle of the show? <laughs> Machado. <laughs> He's asking me, now what? <laughs> They're not our daddy anymore. Big Poppy would no longer need to say the quote-unquote Padres daddy knows what you're going to do. The Dodgers were just stunned by the Padres at home, and they had to be questioning some of the big moments in the game they just could not come through in. There is one thing for sure. Petco Park was going to be loud, and Petco Park was going to be packed to capacity with Padres fans looking to see their first attempt at playoff action at home in a very long time. Game 3 would be a swing game, and Game 3 would help decide which team would take a series lead. Twelve games in October is a 97.3 The Fan original podcast for Odyssey. It was produced, voiced, edited, and written by me, Matt Scravey. Thanks to Adam Klug and Michael Valenzuela for helping to make this happen. Thanks to Tony Gwood Jr. and Jesse Agler for talking with me in depth about the NLDS series. You can find me on social media at Matt Scravey. Please make sure to rate, review, and tell a friend. All you need to do is tell them to search the number 12, one, two games in October in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.